You can have a seat. My name is Strider. I'm the student pastor here, and we are so excited that you are here worshiping with us this Easter Sunday. Whether you're here in the auditorium or whether you're tuning in with us online via stream, we are just thrilled that you're here. Hey, in front of you, you will find a Connect card, and if you are new or visiting, a special welcome to you. We would love everyone here to take a Connect card and write your name on it. And if you're new or visiting, if you'd give us as much contact information as you feel comfortable with, we're just so excited that you're here and would love to welcome you. Same thing, if you're new to the stream and worshiping with us online, there is a digital Connect card as well. You can go to goodnewsloves.com and find that. Fill it out, email it to us. We would love to know that you were with us this Easter. Hey, I have two really fun things to announce this morning, and both of them have to do with something coming up this summer. The first is this. We have our, our dates for VBS. They are July 19th through the 23rd. This year will be a virtual VBS, and if you have a rising kindergartner through a rising fifth grader, uh, you and your uh, uh, kids are invited to this. It's also open to the community. Anybody's welcome to come to, to VBS, but if you are a parent and would like to be in the loop with all of our VBS plans this year, the easiest thing to do is to take that Connect card, put your name on it, give us your email address, and uh, make sure that you include something about VBS on the card. Tony Willis, our Kids Ministry Director, will get those. She'll put you into the database and make sure that you're in the know when it comes to all things VBS this summer. The other thing that's happening is something called Passion Camp, and that's for current 6th through 12th graders. We are going to Daytona Beach for the best week of our lives. It is an absolute blast, but here's the thing. Spots are almost already full. We opened a registration up on, uh, on April 1st earlier this week, and they are almost all full. And so if you've got a middle school, current middle school, or a current high school student, and they would like to attend, my encouragement to you would be to jump on our website. You can go to goodnewsloves.com, register on the site, get them signed up, because it's going to be an absolute blast. Hey, my last thing is this. We're so excited that you're here for Easter Sunday, and I want to encourage you not to leave early. When Smiley gets done with his message, we're going to sing a song, there will be a benediction, and if you leave early and talk to somebody who stayed, I guarantee you they will say you definitely regretted that decision. It's going to be a really fun surprise. So as Smiley comes forward, let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you died Thank you that you rose. Thank you that you are alive in heaven now. We pray that whether we are hearing this message for the first time or the 50th time, that it would fall fresh on our ears and on our souls. Lord, we pray for Smiley as he speaks, that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit, that you would open our, our minds and hearts to whatever it is that you may want to say and do in our lives. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Strider. <laughs> Happy Easter. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen so let's read the, the, let's hear the story of his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. Now I make known to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preach to you, which you've also received, in which you also stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold firmly to the word which I also preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I have handed down to you of first importance what I have also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas. Then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all apostles, and last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle. Because I have persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain. But I labor even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believed. Many years ago, a man and his ever nagging wife, they went to the Holy Land and while they were in Jerusalem, the wife died. The local undertaker said, uh, we can bury your wife's body here in Jerusalem for $150, or we can ship her back to America for $10,000. The man thought about that for a little bit and said, uh, we'll ship her back to America. And the guy said, why in the world would you spend $10,000 to bury your wife when you could bury her here for $150? And he said, well, many years ago, a man died here. and was buried here, and the third day, he rose from the grave. <laughs> and I can't take that chance with her. <laughs> it was worth the money, right? Oh. Can, can you imagine having a personal letter from an eyewitness to the greatest event in the history of the world. That's what we just heard read was a personal letter from someone who saw a dead man who had come to life. And you know what the dead man said when he came to life? He said that we could too. He said we could too. And listen, seeing a dead man come to life changed Paul's life and his eternity. Changed him from Saul, the persecutor, to, to Paul, the apostle. Listen, it changed his life, it changed his eternity, changed mine too. My life changed my eternity, and I, I really believe it can change yours as well. Um, I'd like for you to understand where we're going. See, I have my sweet shirt on, it says first importance. That's kind of where we're going. The point of today's message is where I'm going is I want to show you that the gospel is of first importance. If you miss everything else, don't miss this. So what, what I'm praying is you'll understand the gospel is first importance, and what I'm praying is that everyone here will believe the gospel before you leave, that you'll believe that the gospel really is of first importance. Let's unpack that just a little bit. As, as the scripture was read in verse 1, we heard about Paul said, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel. And gospel means good news. It's not good teaching. It's not good moral philosophy. It's good news about something that really, really happened. And then notice in verse 3, he said, For I delivered to you us of first importance. First importance. Now, I was not the brightest kid in my classes growing up. I wasn't a great student. But when the teacher said, This is of first importance, you know what I did? I, I listened because you know what that meant? I would see it again, right? That would be on a test. You could miss a lot of things, but don't miss this. And so it is. There's a lot of things in the Bible, but this 
is of first importance. This is the one thing you don't want to miss. The gospel is of first importance. And what is the good news? Here it is. Don't miss this. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. The central message of the Bible is about Christ who died for our sins and that He was buried. He really, really was dead. And then He was raised on the third day. A dead man walked out of the tomb, according to the Scriptures. This didn't happen in secret. And that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom will remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Listen, more than 500 people saw Jesus alive. And when Paul wrote this in about 55 AD, it was only about 20 years since these things happened. You could go and you could talk to the witnesses. Then he appeared to James, his half-brother, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and am not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. What's of first importance? That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and then He was raised on the third day. And when He was raised, you know what He said? We could live forever. Um, And uh, that's why it's of first importance. You know why it's of first importance? Because we're all going to... We're all going to die. And if there was a way to live forever, don't you think we'd want to listen in? You know why it has special meaning to me? Um, About a month or two, my mom died. And you know what happens when someone dies? People come along and they say, she's in a better place. And if that's true, that's really good news, isn't it? But if it's not true, wouldn't that be awful that people are offering you hope that's not really true? But I want you to know when Christians say she's in a better place, they mean it. You know why? Because one day a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb and said we could too. Let me ask you a question. Who in here would like to live forever? Who would like to live forever? I would. And that's what we're here for, that a dead man walked out of the grave and said we could live forever too. And that's why this message is of first importance. Now the word gospel... means good news, but it begins with some bad news. We, we heard about how Christ died for our sins. The word sin speaks about the bad news. We all have a problem. Matter of fact, in Romans 3, will you read this verse with me? For all have sinned and falls short of the glory of God. Who does the Bible say is sin? All. all. Now, I, I was sharing my faith with a young man this week, and, and he read this verse, and I asked him, who does the Bible send? He says, all of us. And I asked him, do you know what sin is? And he said, yes, it's when we do things we shouldn't do. And I said, that's great. That's what sin is, when we do things, say things, or think things that we shouldn't. And then I said, not only is it doing things we shouldn't do, but it's failing to do what we ought to do. And he said, what? When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said that you should love God with all your heart and soul and mind. I haven't done that, have you? And the second greatest commandment, he said, is you should love your neighbor as yourself. Have you always done that? I I haven't always done that. And I was trying to get him to see his sin, so I showed him my sin. and, and, And he was a server, a server. So I said, you know what I used to do? I used to go in restaurants, and I used to steal the server's tips and buy something with it. And you know what I thought? I thought he was going to get out of his seat and kill me. Because <laughs> he took that really personally. Have you ever stolen anything? 
Oh, man, my brother had a coin collection. I used to always steal his coins and go buy candy bars with them. And man, when he found out, I thought he was going to kill me too. I could go on and on of the things I've done wrong, but probably my biggest regret are the things that I said to my mom and dad. I can remember telling my mom, who loved me so, I hate your guts, and I wish you were dead. What do you do with the things you've done wrong? Have you ever done anything wrong? Maybe I'm the only person. What do you do? Listen, the Bible says what for? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And listen, as bad as that sounds to my mom, what sin really is, is it's against God. That's why sin's such a big deal. We've sinned against God. And you say, well, what do you mean? Well, let's say you're in high school. You're in high school, you get mad at someone, and you punch them. You punch a friend, you're probably going to get what? Suspended, right? But they take you down to the principal's office, and when you see the principal, you punch the principal in the face. You just compounded it, didn't you? What's probably going to happen now? You're going to get expelled, right? The, the, the resource officer, the police officer is taking you out to the car and you lose your mind for a moment and you hit him. What's going to happen? You're going to go to jail, right? One day you get out of jail and, and the president comes to town and you punch the president. What's going to happen? You're going to what? You're going to die, right? But isn't it the same thing? But it's against different people. What do you think? is the penalty for punching God in the face. What do you think? Every time we sin, we punch God in the face and say, God, we don't want to do life your way. Do you know the Bible tells us the penalty for punching God in the face? In Romans 6, verse 23, notice this, for the wages of sin is death. Do you know what a wage is? It's what, it's what you get paid for what you do. And so the Bible says that if God gave us what we deserve, what would it be? It would be death. And when it's speaking about death, it's not simply speaking about physical death, when our bodies and spirits are separated from one another, but it's talking about eternal death, the separation of our body and spirit from all good things forever. That's what hell is. Hell is an eternal separation from God and from all good things. In this world, everyone gets to enjoy the beauty of, of God's creation and food and friends. And Hell will be separation from God and from all good things. That's the bad news. And once you understand the bad news, that we have a problem called sin, we've sinned against God, what we deserve is hell, then the good news of the gospel is really, really. Here it is, listen. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, that we can get what we don't deserve. We can get a free gift of eternal life rather than the wages of sin. And, and, and where is this gift? Notice it's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know who Jesus is? Did you know that Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth? And the reason he came to earth was to save us. Did you know that? Then listen, he lived a perfect life for us, and then he went to the cross. And he took our sins. Listen, stealing server's tips, stealing my brother's coin collection, telling my mom I hated her, it's a really big deal. All of our sin is a big deal. So our sins were placed on Jesus, and he took the penalty that we deserve. He died in our place 
for our sins. And one of the things that Jesus cried out from the cross, he said, uh, it is finished, which meant, which meant paid in full. He said he had paid in full the penalty for our sins. He died for our sins. He was buried. But on the third day, he walked out. And do you know what walking out? It was the exclamation point on paid in full. He said paid in full. And when he walked out, there was the proof that he had paid the penalty for sins. And the penalty for sin is death. And death couldn't hold him any longer because he had paid in full the penalty for our sins. So listen, Jesus rose on the third day, and you know what he does? He offers to us eternal life. He offers us eternal life. He says, instead of getting what we deserve, which is eternal separation from God and all good things, we can have eternal life. And to me, that raises two really, really important questions. What is eternal life, and how do we get it? What is eternal life? Eternal life is the forgiveness of our sins. And wouldn't you like to go to bed tonight knowing you're forgiven, wouldn't you? That's what eternal life, it's the forgiveness of our sins. And it's the opportunity to do life with Jesus and eternity with Jesus. Listen, eternal life doesn't begin when we die. Eternal life begins the moment we believe. The moment we believe in Jesus, then our future, what we can look forward to is a life that is good and then better and best. Does that sound good? I mean, as you look ahead, would you like what you see to be good and better and best? Would you? Would you? Thank you. Would you? Yeah, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, what do you mean good, better, and best? Listen, eternal life is good now. And the reason eternal life is good now for those who believe in Christ is we get to live life as forgiven people. Every day of my life, I seem to function pretty well, but when I lie down at night, all of my failures overwhelm me. You ever overwhelm my failures as a husband, uh, as a father, as a grandfather, as a pastor? All my failures overwhelm me. And then I remember what? That Jesus died for our sins, right? And that he was buried and then he was raised and I'm forgiven. Listen, the gospel doesn't say my sin isn't a big deal. It says it is a big deal, but it's been paid for. Life is so much better when you lie to your head down at night and know you're forgiven. You know why else eternal life is good now is I have a friend who promises he'll never leave. When Jesus moves in, what does he say? I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Have you ever had a friend who, who got mad at you and left you? Doesn't that hurt? Isn't it nice that there is a friend who knows everything about me and says, I'm never leaving? Wow, we get forgiveness now. We get a friend to do life with. We get a purpose and life big enough to give our lives to, don't we? Oh, the Apostle Paul, look at this verse in Philippians 1. Paul says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know what Paul says? When you have eternal life, you can't lose. Because if you live, if you live, it's all about Jesus. It's about following him and enjoying him and making him known. And if you die, it what? It gets better. So listen, eternal life is good now in the present state. It gets better when we die in what I might call the intermediate state. You say, what do you mean better? Didn't Paul say to live as Christ and to die is gain, right? So what happens to a Christian when they die? When a Christian dies, their body is laid in the grave and their spirit immediately goes to be with Jesus. And you say, how do you know? Remember Jesus on the cross? Remember there's two thieves there too, remember? And one of them comes to his senses and, and he puts his faith in Jesus and Jesus says to him what? Today, you will be with me in paradise. 
So think about that for a moment. One moment, the thief is with Jesus on the cross, right? And the next moment, he's with Jesus where? Was it better? <laughs> it was better, wasn't it? One moment, he was with Jesus walking by faith on earth. And the next moment, he was with Jesus in paradise. My mom, one moment, she was with Jesus on earth walking by faith. And the next, he was with her. She was with him in paradise. Uh, good, better, right? The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. And know what the Bible says about that? It says it's better. It says it's much better. It says it's very much better. When someone has eternal life, they have a good life now because they get to do life with Jesus, with forgiveness and with a friend and with a purpose. And when they die, it gets better because they get to go and be with Jesus. But I want you to know the best is yet to come. The best will take place in the final state because one day soon Jesus is coming back to earth. One day soon heaven is going to come to earth. Did you know that? We're not going to spend eternity off in the cloud somewhere. We're going to spend eternity on earth. Heaven, the party, is coming to earth. And when Jesus comes back, our bodies are going to be raised up. We're going to be whole, body and spirit, forever. Did you know that? I mean, Jesus rose, what, bodily from the grave, right? You guys there, right? And not only that, but it says he's the first fruit from the grave. And you know what that means, right? He's the first, but he's not the, not the last. When Jesus comes back, our bodies are going to be raised up, and we're going to spend all of eternity on a new earth with new bodies. Here's how it'll be. In, first, I mean, in, in Revelation chapter 21, we read, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We were created for a person and a place. And listen, once we believe in Jesus, we get the person. And when Jesus comes back, we get that place we always dreamed of. God will dwell among us, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Don't you look forward to that day? Don't you? And there will no longer be any death. Don't you long to live on earth where there's no more death? One day it will be true. Will you be there? There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making what? All things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. What will it be like on the new earth? It will be like the first five minutes after a nightmare. Anybody in here have nightmares? Man, I have them all the time. And one of the ones is I'm scared to death of heights. And somehow in my dream, I'm flying, kind of like Superman, but I can't land. I, and, and I'm afraid I'm going to crash. And I'm thinking, how do I land without dying? And I'm petrified to be in the air and unable to land. And then all of a sudden, know what happens? I wake up. And know what? Everything I was afraid of is all of a sudden, it's untrue. One day soon, we will wake up and everything sad and broken about life will suddenly be untrue. Wouldn't you like to live on earth where there's no more war, wouldn't you? And no more crime and no more domestic violence and no more rape. And you know what? No more death. Listen, I hate death. To see 
children pulled away from their parents and parents pulled away from their children and spouses pulled away from their spouse. And oh, I long for that day when there is no more death. One day it will be true. It will. How do I know? Because a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb and said we would too. Listen, no more death. Listen, everything sad and broken will be untrue and everything beautiful and wonderful about earth will be there. I mean, did you enjoy yesterday? Wasn't yesterday a spectacular day? Listen, don't you long for the day when everything beautiful about earth will be there and, and everything beautiful and right will be there, but everything sad and broken will become untrue? Um, listen, <clears throat> what will we do? What will we do on the new earth when Jesus makes, I am making all things new? So many Christians think we're going to spend forever in the clouds in an endless worship service. And that's not true. We're going to spend eternity on earth, and we will worship, and we will sing. But that's not all we'll do. You know what we'll do? We'll, we'll work on the new earth. <sighs> work? Did you know we were made to work? But it'll be great. I mean, the lawnmower will start on the first pull, right? And you, you won't have a crazy employer or you won't have employees who steal from you, but you can use the gifts that God has given you for his glory and to bless others. Wouldn't you love to work like that? You know what we'll do? We'll play. But no one will tear their ACL, right? We'll play. And you know what we'll do? We'll eat. Don't you like to eat? I mean, do you ever just stop and think if food tastes this good with broken bodies in a broken world? What would food taste like with perfect bodies in a perfect world? Some of my best memory, probably most of my best memories in life are gathered around a table with people I love, right? Can you imagine doing that forever, eating with the people you love with perfect bodies in a perfect place? And you know what we'll do? We'll travel all those places we wanted to see and never had a chance to go to. We'll have a chance to travel, but you won't have to take all your clothes off in the airport because <laughs> there won't be any terrorists or planes that crash, Right? Oh, and there'll be arts and music and museums, and we'll learn. But as wonderful as the places the person we'll do eternity with will be even better. Because though we will have new bodies, Jesus will still have his wounds. And when we see the price that he paid so that we could be in this place with him forever, we will continually say, thank you, thank you, Thank you. What is eternal life? It's the forgiveness of sins. It's the chance to do life in eternity with Jesus. It's knowing that as we look ahead, what we face is something good and better and best. And you say, well, finally, how do you know it's true? How do you know it's true? Because one day a dead man got up and walked out of the tomb and said we could too. So we answered the first question, what is eternal life? Now, now let's turn to the second question, which how do we get it? How do we get it? How do we get this free gift of eternal life? We get it through faith. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Don't you love that? God didn't just love the world. He, what, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, what? That he would die on the cross for our sins and be buried and raised to pay in full the penalty for our sins, right? That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Notice eternal life is a free gift. It's received by faith, not by our works. So Smiley, what does it mean to believe in him? Well, 
it means that we admit. It really is as simple as ABC. It starts when we admit that we've sinned. Jesus, I've sinned against you. And then we believe, right? We believe that Jesus died and rose for us. And then we commit to Jesus. We trust him as our Savior. We trust him as Lord, asking him to forgive us and give us eternal life and, and help us become the people he wants us to be. Now, I think we understand it a bit, the admit, and we understand a bit the, the believe, but what does it mean to commit? So let's see if I can illustrate this for you. It looks like a good chair here, doesn't it? Doesn't it look like a good chair? And it looks like it would hold me up, doesn't it? But, but why isn't it? I'm not sitting in it, right? And there's a lot of people like that with Jesus. Do you believe Jesus could forgive someone? Do you believe Jesus could give someone eternal life? Yes, but they're still trusting in themselves. Listen, there was a day in my life where I trusted in Jesus and said, I'm no longer going to trust in myself and trying to be good. But from this day forward, I'm putting my trust in Jesus, right? Oh, what a glorious day that was. You know why I know my mom's in heaven? It's not because she was such a good person. The reason I know my mom's in heaven is because my mom admitted she was a sinner. And my mom believed that Jesus died on the cross for sins and rose. And my mom said, I'm trusting Jesus. And I'm so thankful. Remember we talked about the one thief on the cross? Remember how we talked about him? Now, how do you think he got to heaven? You think it was by being good? Do you? I mean, he's dying on a cross for being a thief, right? What did, how did he get to heaven? You know what he did? It started with admit, right? He said to the other thief, we are getting what we deserve, right? He said what? I'm a sinner. And then what did he say about Jesus? But this man has what? Has done nothing wrong. And then what did he do? He said, Jesus, remember me. He put all of his trust in Jesus. <laughs> I mean... What did you think he was going to say? Well, Jesus, let me into heaven. I've lived a really good life, right? Um, none of us have, right? None of us have. That's why we need to admit that we've sinned and, and believe in Christ and then trust him as our Savior and Lord. Oh, as I was sharing with you before about this man I was sharing with, I said to him, I said, listen, would, would, would you like to receive the free gift of eternal life? And know what he said? Who wouldn't? That's a good question, right? Who wouldn't like to go to bed tonight being forgiven? Hmm? Who wouldn't like to do life in eternity with Jesus? Who wouldn't want to live forever? That's what Jesus offers us. And what does he require of us just to admit and believe and commit? So listen, does this make sense to you that eternal life is a free gift, doesn't it? Would you like to receive the greatest gift ever given? Listen, I'm going to give you an opportunity. We're going to close in prayer. And as we close in prayer, I'll give you an opportunity to receive this gift. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, do. I'm going to say a prayer and, and ask you to follow after me if you'd like to have this, this free gift of eternal life. And, and after I've prayed and after you've prayed, I'm going to ask you that if you put your trust in Jesus today for the first time, if you'd raise your hand. Now listen, don't be embarrassed about it. People are going to have their eyes closed. There won't be any peekers here. And besides, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. Listen, today I made a decision that I was going to trust Jesus and not me. And while your hand is up, what I, I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you that Jesus and eternal life would become more and more real to you, okay? So I'm going to pray, ask you to raise your hand, pray a little bit more, and we'll be done, okay? Let, let's pray. 
Jesus, we are so glad that you came and died on the cross for our sins, that you took what we deserve, and you were buried, and you were raised, and you offer us eternal life as a free gift, forgiveness, and life with you now and forever. Oh, if you'd like this most precious gift, I want you to know that Jesus is here, and he's far more concerned with the attitude of your heart than the words that you say, but won't you repeat after me as we tell Jesus you'd like this gift? Lord Jesus, I acknowledge to you that I have sinned against you in many ways. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. And I want you to come into my life and be my Savior and forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Uh, if you've prayed that for the first time, way to go. Most important decision you'll ever make. And wouldn't you just raise your hand to say, listen, today I, I trusted Jesus. Will you, will you just raise your hand for a... And just leave him up for, for a moment. Keep your hand up. Man, I trusted Jesus today. I trusted Jesus today. Way to go. Jesus, I pray for those who have trusted you for the first time that you would assure them that when we believe, we are forgiven. And we are given eternal life. Listen, if you've trusted Jesus for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you and pray for you. Tell someone, tell the person who invited you, today I trusted Jesus. When we tell others, Jesus becomes more real to us. Those online, please fill out the card and let us know you trusted Christ. And Jesus, I pray that everyone here has believed the gospel. And as we leave here, we leave rejoicing that we are forgiven, that we have eternal life, that our future is one that is good and better and best. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.